0: Oh oh. It's Christmas. Also, there's a snake in my pocket. Welcome to an hour of your life. My name is Kim
1: and I'm Steve.
0: And there is in fact a snake in my pocket. Ramona's my I have a snake named Ramona, Mo for short. And her uh, heater lamp,
1: snake farm
0: burnout, and so yeah, she's named after the Ray Wiley Hubbard song, Snake Farm, and Mo's light burnout. Well, it's not a light, it's a heater burnout. We just one, discovered one still on though. One still on, one burnout. So burn she has out. a
1: warm side of the tank. So and We do keep a spare.
0: She is snuggled up in my pocket right now to keep warm. She's a little, she's a little cool today.
1: And what is in the garage? Your Christmas gift?
0: Steve made me a table from scratch, literally from like raw wood. Uh, it's a kitchen table and I'm super excited. It's beautiful. Thank you.
1: It took about a week, but uh it's it's been a while since I've done some woodworking, but it all came back to me. And uh it was it was fun. Use some reclaimed wood and use some just some rough rough wood that I had to completely fix and put together, join together in carpentry terms. But I think it's gonna look nice. It's sitting out the garage. I gotta stain it yet, but Yep. It it'll, it'll look good.
0: Have you been happy with your Christmas gifts? Well, yeah. Thus far, I mean, I don't know that we're gonna get that many more. It's Christmas Eve, by the way. Um, and in our family, we generally do Christmas the weekend before Christmas, and then that way everybody can be home with their kids on Christmas Day, and then we are the ones that kind of make the rounds to all the houses. Um, so we got we've gotten all of our gifts, I think, um, with maybe like a couple small exceptions, but. Yeah,
1: it's. Are you it's, happy with what you got? And it doesn't look like I want to call it a white Christmas. We got like a quarter of an inch of snow out I, there.
0: So I I have heard I heard on the news like this is the first time ever that anybody has bothered to define what a white Christmas is. They were saying that a white Christmas has to be an inch of snow or more. I've,
1: no, I know that's not the first time I've heard that
0: before. I'd never heard that before. I have. But that's what they're defining as a white Christmas. And if that is what you are going with, then we do not have a white Christmas. We have a gray, at best, Christmas.
1: There's about a quarter of an inch out there. We may get a little bit more through the night. So So, anyway, this week, what are we going to talk about, Kim?
0: uh, We're talking about Christmas, duh. (laughs) So we covered Kwanzaa, we covered Hanukkah, and this week we are going to cover Christmas. Now, Christmas is a Christian holiday, obviously, um it has become very secularized with Santa and all that kind of stuff and we've kind of we oh, talked oh, about oh. we've talked about Santa in the past and we um you know we covered Christmas from a secular viewpoint. Uh, last year if you haven't listened to our Christmas episode last year it was i think a really good episode. We talked about the Christmas truce of world in World War 1 of 1914. Yep. Uh, so if you haven't listened to it you can go back if you have Facebook, and you feel like digging back through the archives, you can find us live video streaming that one. It was our first Christmas. This is our second Christmas. That's just kind of exciting. Um, but so today we're going to talk about the uh, the Christian holiday of Christmas, of course. Um, so we're wrapping up our holiday special with the telling of the birth and history of Jesus of Nazareth. Um, in the Christian faith, the 25th of December is celebrated as the birth of Christ. Um, it's generally accepted that Jesus was not born on the 25th of December, anyway. We don't really know the exact day that Jesus was born, but we celebrate it on the 25th of December, which is actually the last day of the Roman pagan celebration known as Saturnalia, at which actually December 24th, today is the last day of the Roman pagan celebration Saturnalia, which is, um, the last, it, Saturnalia basically celebrates, um, the, the sun, correct? It's the, I think so. Yeah. unconquered sun. Um, But scripture supports that uh, Jesus was not born on December 25th. So this is another one of those things that we've talked about where in an attempt to convert pagans to Christianity, we kind of, you know, Christians kind of did some uh, muddling, I guess. I've actually heard that Jesus's birthday is actually, could actually be around your birthday. Um, Steve's birthday is... Has that he has the perfect birthday? It's June twenty fifth, so it's like every six months he gets presents.
1: Halfway to Christmas, no one has ever said, "Oh, this is your Christmas gift and your birthday gift at the same time." Unlike shout out a to our nephew, nephew.
0: Yeah. <laughs> His birthday is December twenty sixth. Uh, anyway, the shepherds, according Luke two eight in the Christian Bible, says that shepherds were watching over their flocks. During the birth of Jesus, well, the shepherds would not have been out in their fields watching the flocks in the winter months because it gets cold where Jesus was born. So it really suggests that Jesus would have been born in a warmer month, not in December. Yeah,
1: they would have had the sheep in the pasture or whatever in they the did. with they, they, yeah, they wouldn't have been out yeah. in the fields at that time. So, but our story doesn't start on Christmas Day. There are over 300 Old Testament prophecies foretelling the birth of Jesus. Isaiah 7.14 is one I'm going to use an example. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Like I said, there are more than 300 prophecies, and they start back in the, the first books of the Bible in Genesis, and they go through, and even Jesus in the New Testament references prophecy about his own birth being born. So this is... Six, seven, eight hundred years before the birth of Jesus, it's being the the Isaiah uh, passage was there. So Genesis would go back even further, just foretelling the birth of Jesus. So the story starts way long. Well, it it starts.
0: And obviously, longer before that. But. We mentioned last week too that Jesus was Jewish. Jesus was from a Jewish family. So obviously, this is part of the Torah. They would have known about this prophecy when he was born yeah
1: and that and that's what and that still is there today the the jews still believe that the the savior is yet to come Mm -hmm. and so then they go back they reference the 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 scriptures to to do this so let's set the stage for what was going on in the world during this period of time so first let's cover the major players in this story. So I guess we should start with Jesus as he is the major player.
0: It's his birthday. It's
1: his birthday. So as we said last week, there's little dispute that Jesus was real and he walked the earth. All the major religions recognize Jesus as existing, but the disagreement is actually who he is or was. Since this episode is the Christian story, we can just say that in the Christian faith, Jesus is the what we know as the Holy Trinity. Now this is going to simplify the Bible, but in the Christian faith, Jesus is the Holy Trinity. He's God, the Son of God, that Son of God is the man who walked the earth as a man, and the Holy Spirit. Christians believe that Jesus is the Son of God, born of a virgin, walked the earth as a man, teaching the the world the Word of God. He was sinless, was crucified, placed in a tomb, and rose again in three days, again fulfilling prophecy.
0: And that's Easter.
1: That's Easter, yeah. So the basic tenet of Christianity is that when Jesus was crucified, he was a sacrificial lamb that took the sins of all men so that you can enter into heaven. So that's, you know, if you're a believer, that's what your belief is that. When Jesus was crucified, he took all the sins of man. So in the Old Testament, sin was cleansed by sacrificing an animal to atone for your sin. The New Testament, when Jesus is crucified, he was sent to earth to save the world, so he died and he took the sins of man so that we don't have to sacrifice animals. And there's a whole lot more to it than that. (laughs) But like I said, this is... The
0: sacrifice of animals, by the way, was super bloody and messy. And essentially, so you've heard of the term scapegoat. That's where it comes from, is basically um, you would pray over a sacrificial animal, typically a goat or a sheep, and they, um, the th- it's basically transference of sin. You transfer your sin onto the animal, and then you kill the animal, sacrifice the animal as a symbolic sacrifice of yourself and all of the sin that you have committed, which you have transferred to the animal. Um, and then that is how, and then your sins are forgiven. So the uh, the idea is in Christianity. Is, and you had to do this over and over again when you sinned you you know you would cleanse yourself by sacrifice and then you would sin some more and then you had to do it again because we're people and we mess up the idea but, is that god essentially sacrificed himself for all of the sin for everybody who ever lived ever will live every sin that's ever going to be committed it was the ultimate Slaughter, essentially. Yeah. So
1: this of like, a
0: sacrificial "quote unquote" lamb.
1: Yeah. So this really oversimplifies 88 books of the Bible, <laughs> condensing it down to it like to just a minutes. few to, <laughs> to a few paragraphs. Yeah. But it's uh, read the Bible. There are a lot of cool stories, a lot of history, and and y- lots you can't of versions
0: ta- of the Bible too.
1: Yeah, and you you can't take when I say. Literally, there's a lot of semblance, and you have to really understand and read and comprehend what's going on. I think that's where a lot of Christians get in trouble. They'll try to take a a, a one piece of scripture and mm-hmm. translate it literally. And that's really not what it means. But that that's not what this show is about. No. We're getting off topic right but now. But
0: I would like to say a side note of that. Um, one of the things that I, I like most about the Bible that I haven't found with a lot of other holy books is that the Bible has been translated into so many different translations. Um, there is the Traditional King James version. There's the New King James version. There's the New International version. There's the Message, which is essentially like the Bible circa twenty twenty. Um, so it's a really accessible book, which I I wish that people would do that with other holy books. Kind of up
1: it make for easier reading. It would yeah. make for
0: easier reading. I I I personally feel like I would read more of other other you know various religious holy books if they if I could understand the text. But then a that's bit one of
1: the things that people will tell you. That you are reading the Word of God, and so that if you were truly saved, you would be able to comprehend and understand these things so
0: yeah well i i that's for another show, uh because I mean yeah, I guess we can get into it a little bit eh. I tend to disagree with that a little bit because I think that is the Word of God as transcribed by in man a, right, by yes. man in a certain time period, yeah. So I I think that if if that is what You, you get
1: the gist of what I was saying. Though. Yeah,
0: but I think I don't agree with those people because I think I don't think that the meaning of the word of God changes based on the I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, no, we're no I'm way not way saying it topic, just changes
1: the word. Of, yeah, okay. Yeah.
0: Anyway, so let's get into the other major players in the story. Um now we ha- we have also have Mary, the mother of Jesus. There are two big Marys in Jesus' story. There's Mary Magdalene, who is kind of one of his best buddies, and there's Mary, his mother, who was there pretty much throughout his entire life. Uh, She was a girl from Nazareth that lived with her family, and we can only imagine that she was raised in the typical Jewish fashion for a typical Jewish girl of her time. Uh,
1: She was just your next...
0: Yeah, she's just a typical the girl, girl next, next door. door really, uh, all of the things that I have read and heard have said that she was a good girl. Like she was, she was nice. She was, um, you know, she didn't, she she didn't wish harm to anybody. She did her studies. She was just the good, wholesome girl next door. Probably why
1: God selected her to be the mother of Jesus. Uh, yeah, I okay. mean, it's not like yeah. He
0: wants the town harlot to be the mother of Jesus, I guess. But, um. And God, like Steve said, God selected her to be the mother of Jesus, sent an angel to tell her that she would give birth to the Son of God, which, no pressure. Like, I can't imagine if somebody, I I don't know, I like to look at, especially- She was
1: probably 14, 15 years old.
0: Which, but in like modern day terms, that would be like early 20s. Do you know what I mean? Like as far as development and the way that things, 14, 15 okay. was old, so like old enough to get married. Even and stuff, at you know 30
1: I mean? years old, if this happened to you, yeah. you oh, would yeah. still be amazed. I'm just oh, trying yeah, to put absolutely. it in the context.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. But that's one of the things that I think I love to do is think about if if various biblical stories happened today, what would, if if somebody, would, if Mary today got pregnant with the son of God, what would that be like? Would she be read, like, would she read parenting magazines? Would she be super hyper aware of what she was eating? Because that's got to be a super, that's a lot of responsibility. But let's
1: keep it in context to the 14-year-old girl and whatever.
0: Well, and also she was probably, I mean, she's unmarried, So this is a true test of not only the faith of Mary, but the faith of everybody around her because she is supposed to be a virgin. She was betrothed to somebody, so she was engaged. But in this culture, you did not, I mean, you were not even unsupervised alone together until you were married. So the fact that she wound up pregnant was super scandalous And so, when you come up pregnant and you say, This is God's child, I can imagine, you know, that's scoffing to (laughs) say the least. So, poor Mary, I cannot, I don't know that I would want to be in her shoes. Yeah. Ever.
1: Yeah. So, throughout the entire
0: life of her son. Think
1: about Mary, who now has all this pressure on her, like, You're going to bear the son of God. Yeah. So, now in her Joseph. Joseph is basically Jesus' stepfather. So they were betrothed, and now Mary comes and tells Joseph that she's pregnant, Mm -hmm. and she tells him the story that she's not been with another man. Well, Joseph isn't quite believing this. Some
0: Jerry Springer stuff right here. But
1: I believe it's in Matthew. Yep. And the angel of the Lord comes, and he tells, puts Joseph to sleep and says, it's true, basically says, it's true. Take her, marry her, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Is that, do I have that about right there? Yeah, and Joseph
0: okay. was, he was just going to quietly break it off with her when she became pregnant. Like, he really did love Mary, and he didn't want her to be, you know, public humiliation. So I think the plan was, and actually Mary did get sent away to stay with her cousin Elizabeth for a little while, so I think the plan was to send Mary away, Joseph was just going to quietly break it off with her and then she would come back and it's nobody's business what happened.
1: The equivalent of oh she's vacationing in Florida <laughs> right, right now. Right? Okay.
0: Um but the angel came and Joseph was like, "All right then.
1: Yeah, I mean I guess I'm in it for the long of, haul." It's hard. hard to argue if an angel comes <laughs> and tells you this stuff. So very very scandalous especially at that time. So what we know of Joseph, he was a carpenter, and there's little else that we do know of Joseph from the Bible. We know that uh, Joseph did eventually take Mary's wife, and he took her to Bethlehem for the required census, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And while they were there, Jesus was born. Joseph then took his family to Egypt, and we'll talk about that in more detail in a little bit. And little else is known of Joseph. His last mention in the Bible was when Jesus was 12. Now, there's no mention of Joseph at the wedding at Cana, nor at the crucifixion. If Joseph Joseph had been around at the crucifixion, Joseph would have been responsible for Jesus' body and not Joseph of Armenia
0: Arimathea. Arimathea, yeah. yeah. I wonder if uh if he had died. Like it, I don't we, we don't know. I don't I I don't remember. And I ever, guess it's not
1: relevant to the story.
0: It's not, but it's one because of the Because if it
1: had been, I think it would have been mentioned.
0: Yeah. But it's it's always just one of those things about like that's just our human curiosity. Yeah, Yeah, that's
1: just our curiosity. So apparently when they wrote the Bible, it was like doesn't matter. It's 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 not important to the to the entire story. Right. Okay.
0: All right. So let's talk about King Herod. (laughs) Yeah, he's the villain of this particular story. Now, the Romans, remember this is during Roman rule. The Romans appointed King Herod as king of Judea in 37 BC. And historians agree that in many respects, Herod had a hugely successful reign. He was ethnically Arab, but he was a practicing Jew, and he increased the land that he governed from Palestine to parts of modern Jordan, Lebanon, and Syria by constructing fortresses, aqueducts, and amphitheaters, which earned him the title Herodus Magnus, which is Herod the Great. So he is... I don't know. Herod is almost like a Hitler figure in my mind because he built in the same way that Hitler kind of brought Germany back from World War One by doing all of this building. You know, he built the Audubon, and he 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 put people to work. Herod is kind of, but he was a terrible person. Well, oh, there's an
1: evil streak in Herod. Yeah, yeah.
0: But, but he was a terrible person. Herod did kind of the same thing. He built all the aqueducts and modernized the – Um, the area and everything, but he was not a good dude. The Romans also gave Herod the title of king of the Jews, which is basically just a ceremonial title. It doesn't mean anything because um, Herod basically was just in charge of the Jewish population, but he and all of his quote-unquote subjects were still under Roman rule. Yeah,
1: now from what I understand, too, that Herod, like, like say in England, didn't come from a royal line. Basically, he and his brothers like took over by power and just mm. established himself. That's, he, just that's kinda, my understanding. he was like yeah. a
0: conqueror. Yeah. Um, so the title of King of the Jews kind of begins to explain the impression that we have of Herod from the Bible, which shapes the popular conception we now have as Herod is a king who is proud of his title and would do anything to keep it. Many historians think that Herod's downfall mm-hmm. began with his possessive love for his wife, Maryam, Now, Steve will tell you that a woman will get you in trouble every time. True story. Uh, And many historians, so on a political expedition, he visited the Roman ruler Octavian in Rhodes, and Herod feared for his life because he'd previously sided with the defeated Mark Antony. Um, So Herod demanded that Marianne be killed if he didn't return alive because he wasn't able to bear the thought of another man with her. So here we're starting to kind of get a little bit of an impression of Herod as not a great guy. Later, he became convinced by his sister that Maryam was scheming against him. So what did he do? He had her put on trial and executed. He loved, like Henry, the, Henry He the loved there. her so much that he killed her. Now, despite being responsible for her death, his torment was intolerable and he saw visions of Maryam. Uh, And in a futile attempt to replace his love for her, he became polygamous. And then the story of Herod became even more tragic when, for fear of being usurped, he executed three of his sons. So Herod's life was one of ruthless political expediency. And biblically, we know Herod is king of the Jews at the time of Jesus's birth that felt threatened because he felt threatened by baby Jesus, who was foretold as being the king of the Jews. Now, if you don't know this story, there is a prophecy that said that a child was going to basically take over as king of the Jews, and he had managed to pinpoint it to all of the children that were two years and younger of this one specific time frame. So because Herod thought that his reign was so in danger, he sent the Magi uh, to locate Jesus so that he could have him killed because at this point, you know, Jesus fit the two years and under male um, baby. Now, we talked about the Magi a little bit. Um, Let
1: me, one point here real sure. quick. Yeah, and so this is what we were talking about. when you You have to read and understand the Bible, and that's where I think a lot of people get confused, is that Herod took this, that Jesus was going to come over and take over his earthly kingdom, Mm -hmm. which Jesus wanted no part of that. When Jesus talks, he's talking about the heavenly kingdom. So Herod actually had nothing to fear, but his paranoia and wanting to stay in charge and power did all this.
0: Okay. And also the Magi, I don't know if we've touched on this or not, but think of um, more like astronomers slash astrologers. The wise men... Yeah, the wise men were sort of ancient scientists that studied the stars, knew kind of how to navigate by the stars, knew how to uh, like kind of plan and time things according to the stars. So that's who Herod kind of went to and sent after Jesus. I
1: I think in last episode, I I didn't say astronomers. I said... um... What was it? Did uh, you say
0: astrologers?
1: Astrologers, uh, yeah, very similar. Yeah,
0: back in this time frame, now they're they're different. You know, astrologers are people who tend to quote unquote read the stars and make predictions based on the stars, whereas astronomers study the stars. More and scientific. More sciency. Yeah. Um, but back then, it was kind of one and the same. Uh, Redeemed. (laughs) So uh, as we know, the wise men were wise and they didn't return to Herod, who was so enraged that he ordered all the male infants under the age of three to be killed. Um, So he, you know, he thought that it might have been Jesus, according to prophecy, but then the wise men didn't come back. So he's like, you know what? Forget it. Kill them all.
1: Kill them all. Now, while doing the research, I did read. So someone went through and they estimated or they knew the population of this area right at this time and so they were able to calculate how many children would have been how many males three and under would have been and they say and they those being other than us <laughs> say that they estimated it would have been 20 to 30 little boys
0: three oh, that's year, not a lot under. but that's, yeah, that's still 20 or 30 kids that died yeah yeah all right now we also want to men- mention caesar augustus who was the roman emperor at the time And he doesn't really have a lot of, um, like a huge part in this story, but he...
1: He set the conditions for this Yeah, he he
0: set the political conditions at the time of Jesus' birth. Now, he was born Gaius Octavius, and he was adopted by his great uncle, Julius Caesar, who I'm sure you've all heard of. And he was named Caesar's chief personal heir. And as was the case with adult Roman adoption, Octavius took the name of his adopted father, becoming Gaius Julius Caesar Octavian. And when Julius Caesar died in 44 BC, Octavian, Marcus Antonius, who was Mark Antony, uh, Cleopatra's boo, and Marcus Aemilius Lepidus were granted the ruling powers of the second triumvirate and the reorganized empire, which basically is a fancy way of saying that they were in charge of all of the stuff that Caesar, Julius Caesar had kind of left behind. Now, this was followed by a lot of political intrigue and infighting, during which Octavian eventually defeated Mark Antony and Cleopatra at the Battle of Actium, and then after Mark Antony and Cleopatra fled to Egypt and committed suicide, Octavian eventually secured his power and became Caesar, but the name Augustus revered one, which was given to him by the Roman Senate in 27 B.C.,
1: So Caesar skillfully ruled his new autocratic republican regime known as the Principate and ushered in the Pax Romana, a period of relative peace through the Roman Empire. Caesar Caesar Augustus is the earliest figure on the Roman Empire that the New Testament makes reference to as he was the emperor during the time of Jesus' birth, and that's mentioned in Luke 2. While he is only mentioned once in Scripture, Caesar Augustus plays a pivotal role in the account of the birth of Jesus. Unbeknownst to him, when Augustus issued a decree that the census be taken, he was helping fulfill a prophecy written 600 years earlier that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, and that was in Micah 5.2.
0: Now, running an empire is expensive. If you're an emperor, how do you raise money? You tax the people, especially non-Romans, like the Jews. You tax the snot out of them. Yeah, absolutely. So Rome imposed heavy taxation. And one example of the immensity of the taxes could be found in the distribution of grain. Now, the only way for Rome to acquire the huge amount of grain that was needed to feed its population so generously was through heavy taxation of the conquered territories it took between 200,000 and 400,000 tons of imported grain to feed the residents of Rome for a year. Now that's the residents of Rome, not all of the territories. Later in 66 um, CE, which is the Christian era, so after the birth of Jesus, Josephus records the words of Herod Agrippa II, stating that the people of Africa gave, quote, their annual produce, which feeds the populace of Rome for eight months of the year. So, All of Africa fed the population of Rome for eight months. In addition to the grain toll, there were also taxes on produce, sales taxes, temple taxes, occupational taxes, custom taxes, transit taxes, and many others. And taxation was the means by which the Roman elite were also able to provide gifts for its citizens. And build up the mother city of Rome. This
1: is kind of like a prophetic in itself.
0: Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a little. And on top of all of that, there were so many taxes that were out there. And the tax collectors, if you read the Bible, you'll um, hear a lot about tax collectors. Math. The book of Matthew actually was written by a guy who was a tax collector.
1: Paul, Saul.
0: And they, um, the tax collectors were not good guys. Like they would come and they would they would charge you actually more than what was required and they would pocket the leftovers. Well, that's
1: how they made their living, right?
0: So they, they the tax they, collectors, had yeah, a ton of money. Yeah, they weren't paid. They just had the yeah. They, what was, they could skim. They were not great guys. So this is not to say that the taxes did not benefit other territories outside of Rome, because a lot of construction was accomplished throughout the empire, which benefited a lot of people outside the capital. But nevertheless, it is clear that Augustus and his successors made it their goal to collect as much money in the form of tax revenue as possible, which caused a great divide between the economic elite and the 97% of those in the empire who lived in some degree of poverty. Hello, 2020.
1: Wait, I said Saul Paul was the tax collector. He was Matthew. Matthew
0: Matthew was the tax collector. Saul
1: Paul was a Pharisee. He was. Yeah. Okay. So I I got my story straight. (laughs) It's Okay. Okay. So now that you know the players, let's set the stage for what was going on in Israel at the time. During the first century, Rome had dominion over Israel. So in 63 BCE, after much turmoil and civil war within Israel, the Romans invaded and conquered Jerusalem. So in order to keep control over the Galileans and Judean peoples, Julius Caesar and the Senate installed Herod as the king. It would take Herod three years to finally gain all control over all the still hostile Jews, but he would in due course keep a firm rule over the whole region. He eventually became one of Augustus's favorite military leaders and was admired by the new emperor because of his immense development program.
0: I wonder too if it was, if if, um, Caesar Augustus kind of respected Herod's, I don't want to say ruthlessness, but like his. No nonsense way of doing things, too.
1: Well, he also kept peace in the region, yeah. so the Romans didn't have to deal with like, it. He's
0: like, I appreciate it, Thanks yeah, bro. yeah.
1: So, he, I mean, basically, I think they let him have his way because mm. he kept the peace in the region, and
0: yeah,
1: okay, so yeah, we said that. So, <laughs> not only did Herod expand the temple in Jerusalem to be more grandiose and in the Roman style, but he also imposed. A sacrifice that the priest would uh, give on behalf of Rome and the emperor. Additionally, Herod had whole cities named to give reverence to Caesar. So you wonder why Caesar liked yeah, him, I get it, as well as imperial <laughs> temples and fortresses to re uh, to reinforce Roman control.
0: I want somebody to name Kim Town.
1: I'll name that table I made for you out there, <laughs> Kim's table. The great building campaigns were not possible without taxing the peoples of Galilee, Samaria, and Judea greatly, like Kim just said leaving the majority of them in poverty. Not only were they required to pay taxes to the empire, but they continued to function as a temple state and were also required to pay tithes and offerings and sacrifices to the Jewish religion.
0: They were broke.
1: Yeah. The demand for tribute to Rome and taxes to Herod, in addition to the tithes and offerings to the temple and priesthood, dramatically escalated the economic pressures on the common people, on the peasants, the, the people who had to produce all this food, whose mm-hmm. livelihood was perennial because they were farmers and they had to grow in certain seasons, it was marginal at best. After decades of multiple demands from multiple layers of rulers and many village families, um, they fell increasingly into debt and were faced with the loss of their family inheritance and their land. So they, they were losing everything because of all the taxes and the government that they were being placed on them.
0: This reminds me, um, thinking back, I think it was I think it's when our episode, it may have been a mile thirteen episode, but when we were talking about coal mining and in America and how the,
1: the company the towns
0: com- yeah, the company towns Oh my people, soul
1: to the company people store. were
0: forced to because they they basically were forced to sell out their land to the coal companies because they couldn't afford to compete with them anymore. So they had to sell yeah. out.
1: Well, these are precisely the t- deteriorating conditions that Jesus addresses in the Gospels: and impoverishment, and hunger, and debt. Who did Jesus hang out with? It wasn't the rich folks, right? Okay,
0: yeah. In fact, there's a a pretty, fam- and I don't even know what the the Bible reference is, but there's a pretty famous reference. It's easier for a rich man to or a camel to pass the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven, is one of the things that Jesus says. So the stage is now set for the nativity story, the birth of Jesus. And I'm going to read this directly from the Bible. Um, yeah, I, I don't
1: think we could tell this story any better if we made it up. So I think it's right. best if we just use this directly from the Bible. Sure.
0: So this is the King James Version, which is kind of the granddaddy of them all when it comes to biblical translations. Uh, English translations. Versions. Yeah. Uh, this is from Luke chapter 2. It says, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of glad joy, which shall be unto all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men.
1: So that's one of the most ...famous passages out of the Christian Bible right Mm -hmm. there. Okay. So over the years, scholars have examined these verses, and I'm not going to say it's controversy, but how we have traditionally pictured that scene that Kim just read may not be how it actually happened. And I'm not saying that this stuff didn't happen. I'm just saying, well, we'll just get into it. Yeah. So earlier we talked about December 25th not being the actual day that Jesus was born. There's discussion as how we picture being born in the barn. Well, this comes from Jesus being placed in a manger. So we assume because there was no room at the inn was because people were gathering in Bethlehem because of the census going on at the time. It could also be that Joseph was so poor that he could not afford the inn.
0: Bethlehem, yeah. I don't think it was a big city, so there probably wouldn't have been like a ton of people there Yeah, it's so a, a it, small town. Yeah,
1: and it could be a combination. It's just yeah. when we read the bible verses it's just this is how it was interpreted but now right. more modern scholars have gone back and biblical scholars and not people just like "Well, this can't be that way and they're trying to find to find the truth about how all this happened to interpret right how all this happened Thank so it's, you, it's, it's
0: archaeologists yeah
1: so some stories say that jesus was born in a cave where animals at that time could have been housed because mm-hmm. you know there's mention of animals there and all this stuff going right. on so that could have been too, and it's also possible that Joseph and Mary stayed with relatives because it was not uncommon for animals to be brought in the house at nighttime.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: And so this would explain why there would be a manger, because in this whole story, it just says that Jesus was placed in a manger. It doesn't say anything about a barn, a cave, or could you, anything. Could you imagine Jesus was placed in a manger? So just bringing the people the
0: donkey into the living room? <laughs> at yeah. Nighttime.
1: So the so the people who interpreted this said, "Well, it was a manger, so he had to be born in the barn," okay,
0: and that and well. that's how
1: this story came about. So there are religious scholars who are trying to really figure this out. I don't know if they will, and I don't know in the grand scheme it's of just things, something like
0: interesting to discuss. It's, it's just
1: interesting to discuss. One yeah. of the
0: things that I just picked up after—I mean, I've read the Bible cover to cover a couple of times, and I never really, in, you know, I've studied the story and everything. I never picked up on um, the, the very first verse. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. That's pretty
1: well, but to brazen. him, but to him, know, the world it's was the, all Roman the, world is the
0: Roman Empire. Because he is, didn't know about I know but the new still, world, of North like, America, and stuff like that. There's still areas of the, of the world that he knew about that had not been conquered by Rome. So for him to say all the world, meaning the Roman Empire. Is, that's pretty, uh, I don't know, that's pretty narcissistic, I think. Anyway, um, there's also discussion as to when the wise men actually arrived. Some scholars believe it could have been up to three years after the birth, um, which is kind of what we were talking about earlier. It's, it's supported by Herod ordering that all males three years and under be be put to death. There's also, um, it's an estimate when Joseph was told in a dream to take Jesus to Egypt to keep him safe after the visit of the Magi, he would have been about three. Uh, And in the grand scheme of things, these are fun things to discuss, but really they don't have any direct bearing on the story.
1: Yeah, but it is, like we were talking about with the Christmas star. So was this sign, Herod sent them, after the star appeared, which marked the birth of Jesus. Yeah,
0: and we were kind of talking about this before, yeah. that the star, uh, the Christmas star was only visible for like three days. So I don't know how far away Jesus was from Herod, but they only had three days to get from Herod's place to the but, Bethlehem. And this
1: is where you have to go off faith. So again, here we are assuming that they followed these planets that were in alignment. when
0: That's true. When...
1: God just had a baby born by an immaculate conception. That's true. So, you know, he could have You can do what he th- wants. Yeah. So again, it's in the in the grand scheme of things, it's just fun stuff to discuss. Right. Yeah.
0: It it doesn't I mean, if you if you are a Christian, your faith uh you is know, not based
1: off well, they were there three nights after and not three years. But, that, that's not what this is about. Right.
0: But I do love it when faith and science sort of um, come support. alongside. Yeah. When they support each other. I always think no matter what the religion is, when science can prove or support any religious idea, I think, I just think that's really cool. So um, whether it be Hinduism, um, Islam, Judaism, Christianity, it doesn't matter. Anytime science can support it. I think it's awesome.
1: Well, I've, I've just heard people saying stuff like now with like the COVID vaccine, are you going to put your faith in science or are you going to put your faith in faith? And I, I, I don't want to argue with people on Facebook and stuff <laughs> like that, but to me, God gave those people the ability to do that, and so God works through so man. It's so not
0: mutually exclusive. It's, yeah,
1: to me, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. Yeah, so okay. you
0: you can put your faith in both. Uh, hashtag go get your vaccine. Although I do have to say, I, <laughs> I, I now have, my sister-in-law got her, she works in a hospital, she got her vaccine. Uh One of our friends is an infectious disease doctor, and he got his vaccine, and so I... I love them both dearly. And I have to say, I saw a meme the other day that said, how will you know? Something along the lines of um, somebody got a vaccine and it appears that one of the uh, most pressing side effects of getting the COVID vaccine is the person telling you that they got the COVID vaccine. So if, if you got it, just don't quit, quit bragging to the rest of us. We're glad that you're safe, but the rest of us are still a risk. So anyway, moving on.
1: Out of 350 million people in the United States, I think I'm like at 275 million um, in the, line.
0: Yeah, the New York Times, you'll have to maybe do a little bit of digging to find it, but the New York Times has a thing out uh, where you can put in, like it's a uh, an interactive tool where you can put in your age and your occupation. Like are you, where you live, so the county that you live in, your age, If you are one of these four or five occupations, and if you have underlying conditions, and it will tell you roughly where you are in line to get the vaccine, and I'm I am like at the very end of the line, and we are sitting here
1: in the thirteenth hour studio. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you
0: are you you're better off though. You're like three quarters of the way down, whereas I'm like at the very tail end of the line. So. Anyway.
1: Let's get back on topic. Yeah, 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 I know.
0: Um, So that's our story about about the Nativity and our special. And this actually um, is the end of our our special um, December holiday celebration. So we really hope that you've enjoyed the last three weeks learning about some holiday traditions, a little bit about Kwanzaa, a little bit about Hanukkah, a little bit about the situation surrounding the birth of Jesus and Christmas. Um, I think we're probably a little short this week. Yeah, a little bit. But it is Christmas Eve, like I mentioned. We wanted to take a little time to relax. I know I personally worked 13 hours yesterday, um, worked again today. Steve has been busting his butt making this table for me, and it's beautiful. Um, if anybody wants to see and it. And
1: working, too.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. he's also been working. So, yeah, he's been pulling double duty. Um, and my
1: boss may be listening.
0: Yeah. <laughs> If you want to see the table, just drop me a line, I'll send you a picture of it.
1: And why don't we put it on Facebook?
0: We can if you want. Yeah. Um, so we're not really sure what the next episode is gonna be yet because we're kinda we need to just take a day or two to just kind of whew, and then but we'll get back at it very soon. We have plenty of time to decide what we're gonna do and then research it.
1: So from our house, from me and Kim to you.
0: Ah, uh, excuse me, from from us and Rupert and Jack and Mo and B and Polly.
1: Merry Christmas! (laughs) Yep, I've been corrected again. (laughs)
0: Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, um, whatever. Happy Saturnalia, whatever it is that you celebrate. We hope that you are having a wonderful holiday season. We hope that you are blessed with peace and love, Um, and just remember to take care of yourselves and each other. Um, Also, if you want to send us any information, ask us any questions, drop us a line, give us suggestions. You tell us where we're wrong. Tell us, uh, yeah, correct me. It's fine. Um, You can find us. A lost hour at gmail.com. We're on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, uh an hour of your life. Twitter is a lost hour. Um, so drop us a line, let us know how you're doing. Send us pictures of your pets dressed up as Christmas things and show us your presents.
1: So anyway, be careful out there. You know, just do the do the right thing. It's it's what we all need to be doing right now. And just Yep. Take care of yourselves, take care of each other. And we really, really wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and however you decide to celebrate, celebrate safe. And let's not forget that check on your neighbors because this is a difficult time of year for a lot of people right now. So just check, check on your friends, check on your your other relatives, check on anybody who you think may be having a hard time right now. It doesn't take any time at all to walk over to someone's house, knock on the door. Take them some cookies. Take them some eggnog. And if you come <laughs> like by here, branding. I do like molasses cookies best mm-hmm. of all.
0: Baked so many cookies. It's yeah. ridiculous. Anyway. All right. So. M-
1: Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. So from our the 13th Hour Studio in Bellbrook, Ohio.
0: Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. <laughs> Sources this week include the BBC, Britannica.com, Newsweek, the Christian Holy Bible, and good old Wikipedia, which I would encourage you to go financially support because we rely on them heavily. Thank you.